Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. How are you adjusting to parenting as we move into a post-COVID world? Are you back to the rat race and overscheduling that so many parents experienced before COVID? Dr. Lindsay Malloy is an Associate Professor of Psychology at Ontario Tech University, specializing in developmental and forensic psychology. Lindsay is also the co-founder of Pandemic Parenting, a nonprofit organization providing free and accessible science-based resources to parents and caregivers. Pandemic Parenting began as a collaboration between Dr. Amanda Zelahowski, a previous guest, and Lindsay. Two psychologists, scholars, and moms committed to sharing their experience and research with families. Lindsay discusses strategies parents can use to help their kids adapt to an ever-changing environment, from establishing routines and maintaining adequate self-care, to understanding that your vision of balance today may look completely different than the day before. As Lindsay points out, comparison is the thief of joy. Lindsay and her team have turned pandemic parenting into a digital hub for parents with multiple mediums and resources, no matter what stage of parenting you may be at. It is a free resource that I encourage all parents to take advantage of as we continue navigating through this pandemic. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Lindsay Malloy. So Dr. Lindsay Malloy, welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, I know it's been a journey getting to this part and uh, you're recording in 100 degree heat with no AC <laughs> in uh, London, England. So indeed, you are a uh, you get the gold star for uh, podcast appearances thus far. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, I might just melt into a puddle at some point. So, you know, just carry on. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, is that we were, when we were talking before we hit record, you're like showing me the ice pack that you have on your neck because it's I know. so hot. I, so. I honestly have an ice pack. So it's, it's like old fashioned cooling, cooling down. Yeah. Going old school. So yeah. we had your partner, Dr. Amanda Zelahowski on uh, last mm-hmm. year. And between the two of you, you run this fantastic uh, podcast called Pandemic Parenting. Um, and I, like we were talking about, I don't know exactly how I got a hold of that, but I did and reached out to Amanda and, and we had this Notre Dame connection. And then mm-hmm. we find out her sister lives in Metro Detroit where I live. And she also has a set of triplets. So it's, uh, you know, zero degrees of separation when it comes to, uh, <laughs> the two of you, it seems like. So definitely, but I'm, uh, I'm been excited about having this conversation, having, having this continued dialogue with it dialogue when it comes to COVID and parenting and families. So mm-hmm. I think I think the best place to start is to have you walk our audience 
um, through your background, like what you actually do, because you have a amazing mm-hmm. title, this associate professor of forensic <laughs> psychology. So I'm interested more on, on what exactly that means, but then okay. how you and Amanda started uh, pandemic parenting podcast. Sure. So, well, um, so my, my, I'm actually originally from Michigan. So I did my undergraduate work there. Um, and then I, my training is actually in developmental psychology. Um, and so uh, that's what my PhD is in, but my research and, um, you know, what I've been working on in ter- for really the last 20 years has all been research that relates to children's um, involvement in the legal system. So sort of an interaction between developmental psychology and the law. Um, and so that's why, you know, I work in a forensic psychology department um, at Ontario Tech University. So I am an associate professor of forensic psychology, but again, I have all this child development background and training, and that's what my research is in. So I look a lot at like children's memory and how they disclose and talk about negative experiences that they've had a lot of times with when those experiences have implications for legal contexts, like you know, they have to be interviewed about um, maltreatment that they might have experienced and that sort of thing. So with Amanda and I, the bizarre thing is we haven't even actually met in person still to this day. And we've had this nonprofit for <laughs> that is amazing. I didn't know now. that. I know. It's like the most pandemic thing ever. Um, you know, that we have this whole nonprofit organization together and uh, do this podcast and we've never met in person. Um, but we both uh have some similar research interests. We both had, were familiar with each other's work um, as we were talking about it on Twitter, you know, that we were both launching these studies on looking at, you know, mental health impacts of COVID on kids when it was first starting in March of 2020. And so Amanda had reached out to me that summer of 2020 to say, you know, I have some ideas about how we might be able to get research that's going to be coming out in the next few months into the hands of parents you know, as it's happening kind of, because there's this big lag with like how long it takes scientific research to reach people um, if it ever does. And so Amanda had this wonderful idea of, you know, just doing a few webinars uh, to, you know, give parents some key information as we were all struggling with lockdowns and, you know, homeschooling and all of that. And, you know, then it turned into this <laughs> several years thing that we really couldn't have anticipated, but that we're, you know, um, excited about. So you guys met on Twitter. Yeah. Well, we attend the same conference every year for the most part, but we hadn't actually met there. So we sort of knew of each other, like we kind of in the same academic circles, sort of, so to speak. But yeah, we met, we we really got to know each other via Twitter. Okay. And it's it's interesting because you guys really have this unique specialty when it comes to, like you were describing, um, child development with the law and legal system, because mm-hmm. Amanda has her um, JD. I mean, she's an mm-hmm. attorney as well, not, not yeah. to mention the psychologist as, as, as well. So that's, yeah. that is fascinating how you guys connected like this, but absolutely, you know, the, yeah. the, the podcast has been amazing. And, you know, just the, the site itself has just been a, a treasure trove of, of great information for uh, parents. And, you know, I, I, you know, link to it all the time and suggest oh, thank that you. Uh, people check it out as much as possible because you're right. There was sometimes that data never ends up in our hands mm-hmm. as parents because you know, just don't know where to find it. And mm-hmm. With, mm-hmm. with all the misinformation that's out there, 
um, and kind of get yeah. lost in the shuffle. Exactly. And we wanted to provide some, you know, some good research-based information and not only just on uh, research that was going to be coming out about the, the pandemic itself, but just in general, we realized that we had access to a lot of people who knew about stuff, right? That was going to matter like child anxiety and other sorts of um, things. And then we also had just basic child development and, you know, teen development knowledge that we realized could be helpful. And I mean, sometimes we're struggling with our own questions and our own, you know, difficulties with our own kids, like, okay, sibling conflict during the pandemic, when we're all trapped in this house, like, who can we get on to talk about that? And who has expertise in that? So sometimes it was just this, like, we need these answers ourselves as well as parents. And so it was a, it was a good experience for us too. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, um, so my triplets will be 12, uh, this December and there's two areas or two, two segments of life, I guess that uh, I would really like to forget. One is that (laughs) first year when they were born, it sounds awful, but the, the sleep deprivation was no joke because I drew the the short stick and did the midnight, uh, Mm. round shift of feeding. Mm. And, um, the second was that, that, you know, March to end of December, 2020 with COVID going from mm-hmm. homeschool, the pods, the back to school, the, you know, back to some kind of online, it was just a disaster. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that, that keeps coming up in multiple conversations that I've been having with parents is that we went from like, we keep going from like one extreme to the other. So lockdowns, March of 2020, one extreme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we start coming out. We, we, we start, we shut down, we start, we shut down. And now that we are, I guess, I mean, COVID's still here. It's going to be here for a long time, if not forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're, we're coming out of it and people are getting, going back to that hectic, crazy, overscheduled, busy lives that we had mm-hmm. before COVID. And mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the questions that I keep coming up with. I'm like, how did we get back to this stage where um, parents are are back to like running themselves ragged? Mm, yeah, yeah, no, I know. Um, and I feel that myself because I'm I mean, I, I think it, it might depend a bit on how old your kids were when the pandemic hit because. Um, and and whether you were able to realize, uh, well, you know, these were the things that were working before the pandemic and or weren't working, and these are the things we want to continue, or these are the things that we want to do differently. And I think that if you look at the research, I mean, a lot of parents are reporting that COVID, as terrible as it's been, has allowed them to sort of reevaluate some priorities and think about, well, you know, these were the things we really missed and would like to get back to. And these are the things that we didn't love. And, you know, maybe we'll just let them go. Um, but it might depend on how, how old your kids are, I think, because for me, my kids were so young when it hit that I don't even really know what they like. We never even really reached that overscheduled running around to different activities phase because they were too young to do a lot of the activities. And so I have to be careful right now that things are returning more to normal, that I want to, my husband's kind of like, okay, just hold on a minute because I want to sign them up for literally everything, you know, because I'm like, we didn't get to do this and let's do um, hockey and let's, you know, get them into gymnastics and dancing. And it's like, okay, well, let's make sure that it's still 
going to be fun and that they're actually going to enjoy it? Am I doing it for me or am I doing it for them? And I think that's an important question to ask. So it's one thing if your child is coming to you and is really eager to get back to the sports or the dance or whatever it was, but um, I would say stop and think about if it's for you or for them and you know who is it for and and was it working before? How could you make it work differently now um, after the pandemic? Yeah, I would completely agree with you. And I think that Teresa and I are in the same boat that you and your husband are in because I'm the one kind of like trying to step on the gas and just <laughs> yeah. like put the pedal to the metal, if you will. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It's, it's really tough because you, again, it, it it's like, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of the stock market that we've experienced these, these last couple of years too. It's like we've we've rode this roller coaster all the way up and now we're riding it all the way down. And it's mm. such an emotional uh, journey. And I think we don't do a good enough job of stepping back and asking ourselves a question you just did. Is this mm-hmm. for my kids or is this for, for, for me? And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's that inner struggle that a lot of people are having, and it's easy just to get sucked back into it all um, without taking a, a measured pace of, okay, is this the right thing to be doing? Mm-hmm. And is it actually fun or, you know, is it serving? I mean, maybe yeah. some things you do are not fun. Like maybe swimming lessons are not fun, but you feel like, okay, that there's a safety element there. And so we need to do that. Right. So not everything has to be fun, but I think, you know, thinking, is this actually fun? Is it serving the purpose that we would like it to serve? Or is it just something that we're doing to tick a box because we think that we should be doing this? Um, You know, that this is what a good parent does based on what, I don't know, things we're reading or things we think we should be doing based on what our neighbors are doing or our friends are doing. So for me, I I really have to step back and look at those questions. and I think the pandemic forced me and a lot of other parents, if you look at the research, to uh, to do those kinds of things, which I suppose is is a silver lining in some ways. Yeah, I think that that aligned well to the, like this great resignation that's happening with people's careers. You know, t- people taking a deeper dive into you know what is it that I really want to do with my career? What I want? What what do I really want to do with my life? What do I really want to do as a parent? And mm-hmm. um, I think that's. Personally, this was an inner struggle that I was dealing with before COVID and and my um, reading and research on trying to help define what is enough for me and also Mm -hmm. what I was seeing a lot with the family office clients that I work with and them struggling with those same things. And then obviously Mm -hmm. COVID happens and then for some people it was a boom and some people for for others it was a bust. Mm -hmm. So it's it's this tug of war, I think that, that has again, gotten escalated uh, because of the pandemic. Yeah. And I think it it reminds me of, I was thinking about this today, actually, these research studies that were done, you know, quite a long time ago, um, big longitudinal studies looking at the effects of childcare and maternal employment um, on kids and, you know, longitudinal study in the US that was done across multiple sites. It was a really important study. But one of the things that they found and that they found in other studies too is that, you know, there are links between maternal employment and depression. Um, when you look at, okay, let me back up and just say basically it depends on like, it, is it 
what you want or is it something that you're being forced into? So I think if the pandemic led people to um, reevaluate, maybe cut back on their hours at work or, you know, not go for a promotion because they've realized what's important to them and they want to focus more on family or whatever it is, then that could actually have some good effects for their mental health and some benefits there. But if they're, you know, reduced working hours and they're not getting a promotion and stuff, but that is actually not what they want, um, then it can have these problematic effects on mental health. And you saw that with those childcare studies too. Basically, if moms wanted to be working but couldn't uh, for whatever reason, you know, that wasn't great for them. Um, if they didn't want to be working, um, they wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, but they were forced into the workforce, you know, that also didn't have uh, great effects for them. And then, you know, that that depression, that maternal depression can obviously have impacts um, on, on kids. There's quite a bit of research on that. So, uh, so I think it's, yeah, it's like what is happening with people's careers and is it something that they're actually w- wanted to happen based on um, how the pandemic um, affected them and their family, or is it something that they were kind of backed into a corner with? And I think that's has really important implications for how it plays out for them, whether it's like a welcome change or you know, a really tough change. And I think that's a, that's a really interesting point because that kind of like dovetails into the, the other current theme of the situation when it comes to careers right now and families is are people that were working from home now either going back to the office because they want to, or being forced to go back in the office because companies are mandating that. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a struggle I see with many of my families that I work with um, because during some, during some stents, people were working more from home, but they lost their commute time, which mm-hmm, helped. Mm-hmm. now again, kind of going back to kids is crazy, you know, activity schedules and having to go back into the office. How, how do you juggle that? And mm-hmm. That's that's one thing that Teresa and I are, are struggling with now. And I mean, it's just, again, it's going back to, okay, is this what we really want to be doing? Mm-hmm. So oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just thinking like, you know, my husband used to have basically two and a half hours of commuting and it's oh. looking at that, looking at that now, it's like, how did we ever do that? How did we yeah. make that work? Because it seems impossible now. And I know that we did, but there were things that, you know, really didn't work about it in ways that it's beneficial. And if you look at the research, you know, a lot of people um, report they're much happier when they can work from home, you know, maybe a few days a week that they get, they're much more productive. Um, But then other people report not being productive. And I think it's just this, and, you know, and not liking it and wanting the social interaction of the office. So again, I think it's like comes down to these individual difference pieces and, that there's no one clear answer for what's going to work pe- for people post pandemic because there wasn't really one clear answer, you know, with for what worked for people before the pandemic. So um, it's just kind of like magnified now. And I think that's the interesting thing about what you and and Amanda and your field does, whether call it behavioral science, behavioral psychology, mm-hmm. forensic psychology. Like you're digging into all this data, but it still comes back to individual preferences and where you are in life. Because if you're a, say a younger parent that's still earlier in their career, 
you know, getting in and in, in, into an office environment and, and being more face to face with people as you're trying to um, move up the corporate ladder, if you will. Mm-hmm. There's definitely probably pros to being in the office versus maybe somebody in our situation where we're, you know, more secure in our career. We're not necessarily looking to make that big jump up. Mm-hmm. You're looking to save time, not necessarily like build more. Yes relationships and and move up. Yeah, definitely. The other, the other thing that the topic I wanted to really dive into kind of along the lines, you, you were just talking about this before about the, Mm. um, social and or social and academic impacts that, that this has had on kids. That's the other main question or concern that, that I have personally. And that I also, get from families as well um, as, you know, how I know that this has affected my, my, my kids in some way, shape or form, but I, it's still hard to put a pulse on what that impact really was and how it may continue to change and, and develop. Have you been able to peel back any, you know, findings from your research and data that mm-hmm. you, or maybe even Amanda have, have, dive, you know, dove into when it comes to kids being now potentially socially behind and Mm -hmm. academically behind? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the picture that's emerging is again, this same theme of like very uneven effects, right? That it was very different for different groups of people. Um, And so, you know, you have some kids who, um, were, you know, potentially not doing well at all, right? As a result of schools closing or of the pandemic, you have some that are doing okay. You have some that may have even improved in some way. So, so first, I guess, let me back up and say, um, kids were getting socialization and learning some social skills, even during the pandemic. So even young kids who were just interacting with maybe their family members, you know, there's still some socialization, some social learning that's happening there. They're interacting with parents, with maybe with siblings, with, you know, people online. So they can still glean quite a lot from those experiences. So I think that's a good thing. Um, also, I would say, keep in mind that um, children change so rapidly Um, especially the young ones. And so what you're seeing after this amount of time, I mean, it it has been several years now. So what you're seeing um, may not be attributable to the pandemic, right? I think it's very natural thing for us to say, well, you know, um, for example, like stranger anxiety in infants, we know that that peaks around 15 months. Um, And so people might look at a baby who's kind of getting more socialization and see them being scared and think, oh, well, look what the pandemic did, right? Like Mm -hmm. they have all this anxiety around strangers. Well, that's not, you know, that may not have nothing to do with the pandemic. That's just typical development, right? So, um, so yeah, so I think it's important to just keep in mind again, that kids change so rapidly and dramatically, and and we, we need to be careful about not thinking that something is the effect of the pandemic when it might actually just be, well, our child is, you know, has a kind of slow to warm up temperament and they like to, you know, take some time in new social situations. And that might be, um, you know, entirely normal for them. Um, so I, in terms of, you know, strategies for our kids recovering in these areas, I think that's important to think about. And there's things that we can do as parents, you know, um, continuing to establish and follow routines, being involved, 
all those things that we know that matter that mattered, you know, before the pandemic. Um, but on a much broader level, I've seen a lot coming out lately about the importance of taking a holistic approach. You know that we have to focus um, on children's well-being and mental health first, or at least kind of simultaneously um, with improving their academic skills, or they just won't be able to learn. So they're not going to be able to catch up academically if we don't kind of consider the whole child. Um, and uh, you know that includes things like, well, we obviously want them to catch up on things like reading and math, which are maybe really crucial for, for them down the road. Um, but some schools have taken the approach of like, well, let's just focus on those core subjects and let's not have like art or music or physical education, sports, these other things that I think, you know, are really important for outlets for kids and kind of can help them maybe recover socially and academically as well. So, so to really consider that and not just be so focused on, we need them to improve in these, you know, in these key areas. And so that's all we're thinking about as parents or teachers. Can you, and maybe you just answered this, but can you expand on what you mean by taking a more holistic approach? Sure. Well, just making sure that um, we're, we're focusing on um, and maybe even treating first any sort of mental health issues, you know, trauma, um, really focusing on their well-being um, first and foremost. And so for a lot of kids, you know, going back to school, coming back to school, they might have, um, you know, kids may have lost really important people in their lives. Um, you know, many children in the U.S. lost a parent or caregiver. Um, so we really have to be mindful of these things and and focus you know, when I say holistically, I mean, that's the term that's been used in the literature, but just thinking about like the whole child and the fact that we're not going to be able to really make big strides academically if we are really struggling um, in terms of mental health and emotionally. So when it, when it comes to, are there signs that parents should be aware of, you know, when they see maybe their kids struggling with, so, you know, really social interactions because they've missed out on these last couple of years. And I know you, you pointed out that, you know, they were, our kids were still getting social interaction, you know, with, with us at home interacting online, mm-hmm. but are, are there, are there warning signs that, that you've seen in the data that we should be looking for as parents? Yeah, I think um, we have a podcast episode with um, doctors uh, Donna Pincus and Jill Aaron Aaron Reich May. That's really great. That talks about child anxiety, and they they do a great job of of talking about that, like social interaction and social anxiety, and what are some key things to look for. So I definitely recommend that to any parents who want to dive into that um, more deeply. But I would say, you know, are there things um, where it's affecting their life, right? Like they are refusing to go maybe even refusing to go to school or refusing to engage with others. Like, um, you know, they are declining going to birthday parties and to other things. They used to play sports and now, you know, they, they don't want to play any sports. Um, so, so I would say big changes in, in behavior, which of course that's kind of hard to do because of course there are big changes when there, when there was a pandemic, but is it impairing, um, their lives. And especially if they want to do those things, like they want to have friends, they would like to go to the birthday party. They would like to engage, but they feel like they don't know how, or that they feel 
really anxious or nervous about it to the point where they don't do it. Um, you know, that, that would, I would say be a big, um, a big warning sign. Cause we have this very interesting Petri dish. Sometimes I refer to my family <laughs> situation where we have these four kids, including, you know, obviously the, the you know, set of triplets and mm-hmm. obviously they're all different. That's one thing I, I still get asked when I, when <laughs> I tell people I have triplets, well, do all this, are they all the same? I'm like, no, they're, they're all individual people. Even the, yeah. even my, the triplets, you know, they're identical. There's a girl and identical twin boys. I mean, even the, the yeah. boys are completely different. And that's, what's interesting because I've seen one kind of become more outgoing and the other one become more introverted where he doesn't like to be involved in sports or really activities. I mean, he would prefer mm-hmm. to game online, but when he's online gaming, He's usually doing it with other people, other friends of his. So it, that's, that's, you know, part that I'm trying to get my arms wrapped around. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is this, mm-hmm. this good? Is this bad? Is it just the way that, you know, kids are growing up these days? Cause I mean, if I had access to electronic device, the way that he did, you know, more than likely I might be, I might be the same way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I, I have, two very different kids as well. And I think I um, struggle with, I'm more outgoing and extroverted and I have a kid who um, is quite shy. And so it's been a learning experience for me to figure out ways that I can push him a little bit, right? Like I want to give him little pushes, but ones that don't lead to um, a lot of stress for him. So maybe we try something new um, or, you know, we go to the party and I'm there next to him for the first 10 minutes. And then I kind of, you know, drop back a little bit more. So give him a little bit more time to get used to the situation. Um, whereas my other kids like, bye, you know, <laughs> see <laughs> you later. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I need to be careful about not kind of putting my own, um, uh, my own like behavioral tendencies and thinking that, you know, well, this, why doesn't he just do this? Why doesn't he just want to do that? Yeah. I think that's a really challenging aspect of parenting for, for all of us parents, not to, to, to go down that road. I I know I struggle with it for a long time, like with my one son that I was just mentioning, mm-hmm. because I'm very competitive, love sports. He doesn't. And mm-hmm. it's taken me this last year to really like, okay, let's, let me, let me back off. Like, this is his life. You know, I'm trying to give him more responsibility, more choices, you know, kind of expand his boundaries. And, you know, if this is what he really likes to do, then let me try to figure out a way to help him mm-hmm. do that. Whether it's like right. esports or um, something yeah. like that. Um, I think I, I brought this up before this whole trying this, this holy grail of defining like what enough is. And I think mm-hmm. as parents, especially um, a lot of people are striving for this other holy grail or imaginary place called balance. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think it exists, um, but I would love to get your take, but you and let me put it in context where the way that I explain this when I, when it comes up in conversations with families is, there are certain points where your family is going to have to take precedence. There's certain points where your career is going to have to take precedence, certain points where yourself is going to have to take precedence. So it's understanding and really being able to 
prioritize what's important. And I think it comes back to awareness and really Mm -hmm. being aware of when you have to constantly make these pivots to what needs your attention the most. So this idea of things being always in perfect balance, um, I think from my perspective uh, and and reading and research that I do on this is just, it's kind of like a fallacy, but I would love Mm -hmm. your take as a forensic psychologist. Yeah. Well, it just made me think of this meme that I saw recently that was like, you know, I can have a clean house, clean kids or clean self, but like not all three, because it's just not possible. (laughs) Um, And I think I'm, you know, I might be one of the world's worst people to ask about balance in that, um, you know, I always say too, that I'm searching for it. I do a pretty terrible job at it. Um, I've come to kind of accept that my idea of balance might look different from someone else's and that that's okay. Um, And I try to remember that phrase, like comparison is the thief of joy. Um, But, you know, it's like, I say that I want more work-life balance, um, but then I make decisions that are incompatible with that. Um, So, you know, I think there are individual differences here too, when it comes to balance, you know, and um, after the pandemic, I do say no to more things. Um, And I've heard this from other people, and this has come up for the in the research too, right? That it's been a little bit empowering of an experience that people might've really understood more about what they really want and been willing to say no to other things. Um, And I think when I think about balance now after the pandemic, I think a lot about balancing our own needs with our kids' needs because at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I was just so 100% focused on my kids' needs and how this was going to affect them and I remember doing this webinar with, um, it was on uh, good enough parenting and our, our guest um, just said to me, you know, well, you matter too. And it's such a simple thing. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Um, I guess I do. And, you know, then there was a lot that was coming out about, you know, you, you need to make sure that you put your own oxygen mask on first before you can actually help just your kids. Say that. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it's so like, it's, it's just so true. And I think, so I think I learned a lot about balancing, um, my own needs with my kids needs and that I really couldn't be there for them as a, as a, as a good mom, um, whatever good mom means, but you know, like as a, the most effective parent I could be, if I wasn't taking a little time for myself or trying to figure out ways that I could, um, you know, engage in, so I guess you could call it self-care, even though sometimes that term drives me nuts, but you know, just, um, I was just, I was literally, I was literally Lindsay going to say the, the that same thing, like <laughs> self-care, that term, I think gets a bad rap because it's like you say self-care. I, I think people have this negative connotation that, okay, it's just selfish. Well, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it goes back to the, to, to the, airline, you know, put your mask on first before you can put it on somebody else. Like you're not, if if you're not taking, and I think it goes back to what I said earlier, it's like, you have all these competing. And I, I, this is like one of my opening lines when I, when I first meet with people on on the family office side of what I do is that you have all these competing financial and personal priorities tugging at you. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. what I try to get people to think about is to take some time and, and, and bring that awareness full center to help figure out what's really important, what's purposeful in your life, your family's life, and go from it from that angle, not 
it's funny because most people, when they show up in my office, think we're going to talk about numbers. And it's <laughs> my, my, my secret is like, no, we're going to talk about everything else but numbers uh, today mm. because that's, to me, that's the foundational piece of financial planning that that most people miss or don't understand or have this negative stereotype that, you know, it really starts with your family values or purpose. Without that, you know, you, you can't build your goals and objectives. You can't, you know, build the action items you need to do uh, to be able to achieve and support that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think most people don't really take the time to, to sit back and think about those things. Um, and I'm not saying we did have the time to do that during the pandemic, but in some ways we might've been forced into it. It was like life created this, um, this challenge opportunity. I don't know what you want to call it to, <laughs> to take stock of those things. And it's not one that we ever would have chosen um, intentionally, but in some ways it, we were kind of forced to think about those things. Um, I know I only have you for a finite period of time, especially today, because you probably are <laughs> needing a new ice pack. Um, <laughs> one of one of my last questions I wanted to ask is, and I, I mentioned this, you know, at the beginning of our conversation of what a wealth of knowledge and resource your guys's website pandemic parenting is. And obviously we're going to put that in the show notes, but are there, what would you say would be some of the most impactful resources that people could go to the site and, and really utilize to help put into practice today? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I already mentioned the episode um, on child anxiety, which I think was really great, straightforward advice for parents. Um, we did a podcast episode about how to reduce children's anxiety and pain from shots, right? From getting vaccines. Yes. I and, actually uh, remember that one. Yeah. That one is actually our most downloaded episode. And I think it's excellent because it's really clear, practical advice um, that you know, deals with an issue that many parents are facing right now, um, or, you know, will be facing maybe again. So it's, it's really a good one, I think. Um, and Amanda has recently been doing season two entirely on her own. And I'm very grateful to her for that. Um, and she's done a phenomenal job, um, looking, um, at what we've actually learned, um, about children and parents and families, um, from the pandemic, right. Looking at all the research that's come out, during COVID. Um, and there've been hundreds of studies done really too many for any parent or even any researcher to kind of keep up with and, and figure out what they all mean. And she's done an amazing job of having people on to talk about, well, what are the key messages for parents and what have we learned? Like, how has this affected our kids? Um, and I think that's really great. Cause like, you, you know, that's coming up in this episode, like, well, what do we know? Like how, how, what has the impact been? And so there's some great episodes on that. And and a more general episode just on helping parents understand research. Like, you know, we see these headlines in the news um, that there's been a new study. And this episode really delves into like, how do we teach parents how to critically analyze research? Because sometimes something comes out and I'm in all these online parenting groups, you know, and it causes a lot of stress and, and sometimes unnecessarily so. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is one thing I, I love about our website Um it is our digital content producer, Victoria Brewer Bruick has done an amazing job where you can go in and you can say, you know, what age group you're looking for information on, or you can, you can look for resources by topic, or you can look for resources based on who you are. Like I'm a single parent or I'm a working parent. Um, and so you can look 
for in lots of different ways to find out what you might need. So that brings me to my closing question. And that is, we know that you're a mom of two that you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. So what is your favorite thing about being a parent? (laughs) Um, My kids, I think. (laughs) Um, No, let me think. Um, So, I mean, there's so many things. I, I really, I love watching them learn new things. Um, one of the silver linings of the pandemic for me was getting to watch um, my older one learn how to read and kind of be more actively involved in that than I would have been. And I love reading myself. And so it was just such a joy to like watch him discover this whole world. And it was also really hard and frustrating at times, but, you know, getting to, getting to watch him, you know, do that or have new experiences. Like we moved to England this year for my sabbatical, and it's, it was a huge challenge, and um, especially for you know my child who's a bit more shy. But to be able to watch them like overcome these challenges and try new things and have these new experiences, I think has been really amazing. So that's that's probably my favorite part. Well, I think it, that's a I, I've I've been doing the show now for almost two years, and that's been my closing question for uh, most every episode in the, the breadth and the depth of, of people's answers is just amazing. And, and, uh, it's, uh, it, I can't thank you enough, uh, Lindsay for being on the show and we'll definitely have a lot of links to, to the great resources on, uh, the pandemic parenting, uh, website and uh, podcast that you and Amanda host. So I, I can't thank you enough for your time and hopefully you can go cool off a little bit. now. <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Mm-hmm.